going through our sermon series uh, or on growing a Christian healthy church, growing a healthy church. And uh, as I've said, we began by looking at the words of Jesus. that He said, go and make disciples of all nations uh, and be specific about what, you, what you're teaching. Um, preaching in the name, of the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the, the one true God, worshipping God in spirit and in truth. We then looked at, at worshipping God, what that looks like. And it looks like getting to know him. Not just worshipping a vague idea, but actually getting more and more knowing him so that we can grow in our like for him, actually and extending that to a, a true and, in, and authentic love for him. Uh, last week we looked at that verse in Matthew, uh, to seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus challenged us to consider what is our idol. Is it God or is it money? And today we're looking at Christian community, what it looks like to be in Christian community. There's nothing, there's nothing like genuine Christian community. Some years ago, over a decade ago, my wife Jill and I had an opportunity, a very, very rare opportunity to live in a Christian community. Uh, because I was training to go into ministry, uh, you could live on campus and there was a, there was a, a satellite uh, community village called Bathagra. Uh, some of you know of it. Uh, and uh, it's a weird name, but it's, a, it's the name nonetheless. And it was, it was a very rare opportunity. I don't know that many people get an opportunity like that to go away for just under two years and all of our neighbours were... Um, we're, we're truly trying to worship God in their life, to, to live in service of the king and to seek first the kingdom of God. We weren't perfect, but on this side of heaven, it was a glimpse of heaven, I think. Uh, nothing, nothing like genuine Christian community. In uh, today's passage in, in John chapter 13, uh, verse 31, it begins... Uh, halfway through a story and the first couple of words in John 13 verse 31 it says when he was gone when he was gone and the he in that subject in that line is Judas Judas Iscariot had just left the company of of the 11 other disciples and Jesus they'd sat down for a meal they'd had a really good meal Jesus had washed the feet demonstrated what it looks like to be a servant leader and it says here that when Judas had got up and left, when he was gone, Jesus said to them. It's almost like the, the betrayer has gone and now here is the closed room of, of Christian community and this is what Jesus wants them to hear, what he wants them to know. And as he begins, he will get to these words, uh, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And we're going to get to that. But before he got to, gets to that, he says this very strange thing. He says, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. And you know that when you read that, you think something important is being said there, but I just can't quite grasp it. Uh, I, might, I might have to read that two or three or four times before it soaks in. All these, all these people being glorified, the Son of Man, God... The son, son himself is being glorified and God's being glorified and what's happening. Friends, inside the Godhead is a community that doesn't need other people. God is glorified in himself. Uh, he's not needy. Uh, he is completely whole in himself. And the, the glory of God, you could, you could sum up 
the, the idea of glory as being famous, as being magnificent, as being really, really good. Um, John um, C.S. Lewis pondered this idea and he said that glory, glory can either mean one or two things. It can mean shiny or famous. And he thought shiny doesn't sound right, that we'll be shiny for all eternity, that Jesus will be shiny. Um, but famous is more fitting for God. And when God says he's going to glorify us, C.S. Lewis pondered, but that doesn't sound very Christian, that we would be famous and yet, and, but until he realised that we won't be famous because of what we've done, we'll be famous because of what God has done. So glory is about, is about elevating the good. Uh, it's like a big billboard on the highway that you're driving, th- driving down and something really noble, it will, often they're not noble, are they? Uh, but something needs to be placed high and mighty for everyone to see. This is God's glory. And in this, these two verses, 31 and 32, God the Father is glorified in God the Son and God the Son is glorified in God the Father and they don't need you or, or I. He's not needy. He doesn't need worshippers to make him feel good. He doesn't need us to, um, to bolster up his self-esteem. God is not needy and God is most glorified where? God is most glorified at the cross. When Jesus says, now the Son of Man is glorified, there's, a, there's, a, there's an immediate right now sense to that language which looks forward into uh, in a few hours' time when Jesus will go to the cross. Jesus is talking about an event that is already set in motion, that's not, it's unstoppable and which has been designed for all, uh, for all of creation. Since the, since the creation of mankind, uh, the, the Son going to the cross has been... Um, in the target of the, of the Father and the Son. So they're talk, Jesus is talking about a moment which surely is the crucifixion. And at the crucifixion, something happens that has never happened before and will never, is never needed to happen ever again, that God, is, God the Father is glorified. How is God the Father glorified? How does the Son of Man, that's Jesus, how does he glorify the, the Father at the cross? Well, here's a couple of things. Uh, J.C. Ryle has helped me out in this uh, God the Father is glorified in his wisdom because where at the cross God the Father can remain just and still justify the sinner. He'll be a just judge who is not corrupt and yet he lets the guilty go free. Now how is that possible? How can, an un, how can a perfectly just and righteous judge let the guilty go free? The cross of Christ is the answer. There's the wisdom of God. The faithfulness of God in keeping his, his Genesis 3.15 promise, going right back to the very first book of the, the third chapter of the first book of the Bible where he says that the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. That promise thousands and thousands of years earlier is being fulfilled at the cross. His faithfulness, his glory is seen in his holiness, in re- requiring that his just laws be satisfied and that it's su- satisfied by a great substitute in Jesus Christ. That his love, his love is demonstrated. The glory of the Father is seen in his love by providing such a redeemer, by providing such a mediator and providing the very sacrifice that will pay for our sins. His wisdom, his faithfulness, his holiness, his love, God in all of his majesty is demonstrated here at this, what we might call a pathetic scene of the cross of Christ. But how is the Son glorified at the crucifixion? The Son is glorified in his obedience to the Father at all cost. That in, with the joy set before him, he went to the cross. 
um, in the power of Christ is his glory seen, that he and he alone is able to carry the weight of our sin on his shoulders and to overcome the power of sin and death and conquer Satan for us, that he is the strong man. Jesus is the stronger man who took down the enemy. We can't do that. And the glory of God, the Son, is seen at the cross in his humility by humbling himself to death, even death on a cross. And lastly, this is not exhaustive by any means, but lastly, according to my list, we see the glory of the Son at the cross through his compassion and his love as he carried your sin and my sin on his shoulders that it was, it was our sin that held him there to pay for the price of, of, of our guilt and shame with his own precious blood. There's the glory of God, independent of us, not needy, self-sufficient, self-glorifying. The Father and the Son demonstrates that, it, that they are in perfect harmony and community together. God is glorified in himself and he's, he's not needy like us but we are needy we need the cross we are very needy people we need the cross and it's right that you and i know that we need the cross and never pretend that we don't to talk about christian community we need to first of all come to the cross and understand that we don't just love because we bring out of ourselves an organic a self-manufactured love that that flows naturally out of us in fact that's not in us at all uh, but we turn to the cross and we bow down and worship and we thank God the Father for sending Christ the Son to lay down his life so that we could be forgiven. That the, the distance between us and God that has been created by our sin, our innate desire to go our own way and do what we want, the way that we want it, well, Christ has interrupted that and said, turn back to the Father, and I've made the way. And you can bring back to your memories the, the image of the bridge to life, or the two ways to live, or whatever gospel track that you have heard when you came to Christ. We need the cross. We cannot do any community without the cross. When Jesus addressed, when Judas had left, and Jesus proclaimed that, God the Father is glorified and the Father will glorify the Son at the same time at this, at this event of the crucifixion. In verse 33, he turns to his, the 11 disciples and he calls them my children. My children. Isn't that amazing? And this is in John's Gospel. At the, begin, at the beginning of John's Gospel, we're told, John chapter 1, verse 12, that all who receive him, that's Jesus, all those who receive him and believe in his name are given the right to become children of God. We have no right to be called children of God unless we come to Christ the Son. Unless we come to Christ the Son, we have no right to even consider that God would owe us anything. And yet he turns to these 11 and he says, he calls them my children. And then he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Because Jesus knows, more than, the, than his children know, that he is the substitute that they need. 
that they can't go to the cross with him. This is not a team effort. This is him having to go on their behalf, on our behalf. We cannot save ourselves, and Jesus knew that. Jesus, again, demonstrating that he's not needy. You know, many of us, when we face danger, when we face a great big trial, something that's heavy on our hearts, we turn to a friend and says, can you come with us? Can you make that phone call for me? Can you go and talk, talk to that person? You know, take yourself back to primary school and you say, can you go and tell that boy that I like him? You know, or that girl that I like her? We want to invite other people in to do, do the hard things, but Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot come. This is my task and my task alone. We need the cross because we could not go to the cross on our own, on our own, our own behalf. We, we don't just mimic Christian community and therefore become Christian. We don't just bring ourselves into a church building and mingle with other Christians and then just do what they do and say what they say and therefore we're now Christian. The only way for us to be in a right relationship with God and, by extension, learn how to have a relationship with one another is to come to the cross of Christ, confess our sins, repent, believe and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and then live a lifetime of growing in your understanding of love because the cross does two things. First and foremost, the cross of Christ saves us. It's not merely an example to us. It is, to use a technical term, it is penal substitutionary atonement. It is the punishment of sin paid for through a substitute because you didn't have to pay it. The cross of Christ saves us. To, we're not to merely come to church, but to come to the foot of the cross, confess out that we need Christ and that you need forgiveness, and that's what the cross of Christ does. But the second thing that the cross does is it does give us an example. The cross of Christ teaches us. It teaches us. He says in verse 34, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That love one another is written three times in those two verses. Love one another, love one another, love one another. That's clearly what he wants us to do. But what we might miss if we just gleam across it is that the way we're to love one another is as Christ has loved us. That's the demonstration. So the cross teaches us how to love one another. In 1 John 4.10, we have these, these, these famous words. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. That's how love begins. We don't wait for others to love us first before we begin that process of love. God never waited around for us to love him first. If he did, he'd be still waiting. God has initiated the relationship, and this is what it means to be in Christian community, that we engage in our love for one another and that we initiate it and we don't wait for that perfect perfect storm that seems like a mixed metaphor there the perfect um, calm storm where love is is ready to be received no we, we we're ready to ra love radically if you know jesus then you will learn to love radically he says as i have loved you and he laid down his life he he abandoned his privileged place in heaven so that you could be welcomed into heaven, into a relationship with God the Father. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how he demonstrates his love. 
So we're not to just look for love in this community, but we are to start bringing Jesus' love to this community. Many people, it's very cliche really, will uh, try out a church and abandon the church because they'll say, oh, the church didn't really, wasn't very loving. So it was hypocritical. It's full of, full of hypocrites. But the teaching we have here today is to say, don't come to a church waiting for it to be sorted out. Come to a church and be the initiator of that love that's been demonstrated to you at the cross. So God is not needy. We are needy. But, friends, we're also needed. And Christian community is about us coming together uh, in partnership in loving God and loving one another. And Christian community is... I've got three things to say under this heading of Christian community is. Christian community is a work in progress. You see that uh, Simon Peter comes um, bursting out of the gates in verse 36 and Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, verse 37, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You can sense that the vibe of what Peter's saying is, Lord, I'm with you. I'm devoted. I'm in. I'm passionately for you. And I've had such a good meal with you tonight uh, that I'd go anywhere. You just tell me and I will go. You say jump, I'll say how high. And that's that's the motivation that Peter has. And I truly believe that he he means what he says. But Jesus says you're not even going to last 24 hours. That passion you have right now is going to die. And so, um, uh, so often, you know, I might, I don't know if you've, how many Christian camps you've been to or convention centres. CMS Summer School is coming up. That's a great one to go to. If you've never been to one, you want to go and try a Christian conference. CMS Summer School in January is a great one to go to. And you you can hear the the word of God and you can sing the Christian songs. You go away from a week like that and you think, I'm never going to sin ever again. You know, because of God's love for me and and, and how compelling it is. And I'll go away, I'm just just never going to sin. But friends... 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. It's so easy to see somebody in the church make a mistake, say something wrong, do it, have an error and say, Oh, look, I, I'll never be like that. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Christian community is a work in progress. And so uh, I want to share with you uh, the words of Paul in Colossians chapter 3. He says that love needs to be intentional. A bit like when you get up in the morning and you put your clothes on. I don't know how many of you don't even think about what you're putting on. Um, Having a look around the room, I think all of you do think about what you're putting on. Uh, And uh, Paul says, when you're thinking about love, I want you to think about what you're wearing. In Colossians 3, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So notice he begins with who you already are. As Jesus talked to the disciples and says, My children, I want you to love one another. Paul says to the church in Colossae, As people who are already loved by God, chosen by God, holy and dearly loved, he says, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience these are all love words aren't they 
They're all slow down and don't rush in. Don't let the tongue loose. Don't rush to conclusions. Be patient, kind. Even, even compassion. Feel what the, another person is feeling right now. Even if you don't understand or even if you disagree with what they're saying, just feel the pain that they're going through right now. He continues, he says, bear with each other. One of my favourite words, uh, four words in the, in the Bible is bear with each other. I love it when people just let me get away with incidental things. You know, not things that are gospel issues. You need to pull me up on those. But things that I've just, I've said a thing here or there and just bear with, with each other. Um, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And we could use two words to describe God's forgiveness. One is lavish and the other one is hmm, forthcoming, that he was uh, proactive to forgive us. And over all these virtues put on love. It's like uh, the, the raincoat that goes over everything, the, 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 the layer, the, the udi. I don't know if you wear an udi or see, the, see anyone wear those udis, the big blanket that just goes over everything. Your, your udi ought to be love. Um, which binds them all together in perfect unity. If you're ever wondering what you should do next, then consider what does love do? How does love respond in this situation? How can I stop, pause and think, what's the best version of me that looks like being loving? There's your next action. So there's Christian community is a work in progress. We're not just, we're not there yet. But we know that the cross of Christ is what saves us, which brings us into relationship with God, and what brings us together as a community, and then therefore also teaches us on how to be that loving community. But we're not there like, a, like the click of the fingers. We have the Spirit of God in us if you've come to Christ, and the Spirit works with your spirit to mature you and to grow you in godliness. And the, the second thing that Christian community is... Uh, is a sign that we have understood the cross. It's a sign that we're listening, that we're observing, and this is that radical love that's demonstrated. Um, Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If, uh, if, if a, a stranger comes into our midst and doesn't see any act of love, it's hard to find, it's hard to realise it's there, then surely we're not giving the very first, the initial indication that we are a community who are responding to the words of Jesus and responding to the actions of Jesus. By this, all men will know. I'm told that uh, in, the, in the first and second century, as historians were writing about the changes in their world, that they did notice, even the enemies of the Christian movement noticed that they, they at least loved one another. Uh, Tertullian uh, wrote that, this, that the Roman Empire ought to take notice of how the Christians are loving one another and we, we need to model ourselves of what they're doing. Isn't that a great testimony? Um, and so, first of all, Christian community is a work in progress. It's also a sign that we are understanding Jesus. And uh, thirdly, it's, it's worth it. It's something we can work at together and it's something that's worth working at together. Don't be a lone ranger in your Christian walk. We all know who the Lone Ranger is. Remember that we are making disciples together. Our Western uh, culture has 
educated us over generations. It's not a new thing. Over generations, our Western thinking has convinced us that we are individuals and we can make our own future. You decide what you're going to do for a living. You decide who you're going to marry. You decide how many children you're going to have. You decide uh, what sort of income. You decide how much money you, you should share around. You make a lot of decisions for you in this world. But Christian community is not about you, you coming to Christ and then doing the Christian walk the way that you want to do the Christian walk. Christ saved us in order to bring us together, to be one, to break down the barriers of hostility and to show the world that this is what community looks like. Don't be a lone ranger. Um, a, couple, a couple of thoughts that come to my mind when, it, when I think about being a lone ranger in the Christian community is about where we sit in church. Uh, it's a very practical thing, um, but I, I, I want to encourage you that as you come to church, even before you've arrived on the property, to be mindful of what you're doing as you come to church, that you're engaging in Christian community. So ask God, pray to God about who you're going to talk to today? Who can you encourage? Who can you uplift? Who can you get to know for the first time? Or maybe it's been a long time since you've said hello to that person. And one of those things can be just to sit in a different location. I know many of you hate me saying that. Um, but um, when there's a moment, where mostly at the, at, the, at the beginning and the end of the, of the service, you'll be surprised to then turn around and, and, and realise who you've had a, a good opportunity to, to talk to because you have stepped a little bit out of your comfort zone and said, I'm not just going to come to church, but I'm going to come to church um, engaged and proactively ready to create community. Um, secondly, look out for the guest. Look out for new or newish people each week. Um, it could just be that in the first five minutes after a church service, you hold back your, your go-to people Refrain from going, going to your, your immediate people and just for five minutes look around and see if there's anyone new that you, that you could um, walk up to and greet. Um, and after that five minutes, hopefully everyone has been looked after and then you can engage in those Christian communities that you have long-term investments in. And walk across the room. You know, Jesus did that, didn't he? He didn't just walk across the room, he walked across the universe to save us. So don't think, oh, that person's way over there, I won't, I won't talk to them. Um, and on that, on that point, if someone is here in the building, there's a good, uh, I'll use the word chance, I don't mean chance, but there's a good um, probability that they want you to talk to them. If someone has, made, has left their house, come to church, then there's a good um, probability that they actually would like to be engaged in conversation. Many people walk around with, that, with this face that says, don't talk to me. Um, first of all, get rid of that face. Learn to not have that face. But secondly, if you see someone who has that, that don't talk to me face, just, just say to yourself, I don't think that, face is, I think that face is betraying what that person really thinks. Maybe they're just shy, maybe they're scared, and maybe I could go over and say hello to them. So don't be a lone ranger, don't be a stranger at church. Community is better and it takes work. Um, there's always something deeper going on with other people. This is something I've learnt over the years. I have thin skin. That means that you can hurt me very easily. Uh, and so I've had to work at, at how, to, how to manage that. And I've learnt that when someone gives me a nasty look or doesn't say hello back to me, I just imagine that there's something deeper going on for that person. 
I don't immediately think, oh, they hate me uh, and, and they never want, and I've done something wrong. I just stop and think there's probably something deeper going on inside that person and I'm not going to be, um, I'm not going to be uh, uh, pushed away so easily. Patience and compassion are love words. So let's take time and listen and be curious. A phrase that I've picked up recently is to, is to uh, move from furious to curious. We all can get furious very easily. People push our buttons. Um, people push our buttons and becoming angry and, and, and enraged is a very easy thing to go to. But turn your furious into curious. Ask questions. I wonder what's, wonder what's caused that. I wonder what's happening in that little situation right now. It may not be the thing that's on the surface. It may be something going on a bit deeper. Don't wait for others to love you first. Be the first, be the initiator. Friends, we are better together. Um, two things that, we're, that are very practical in our church is growth groups. Uh, I do talk about these a lot and I don't apologize for that. Growth groups are a way of us creating a manageable community inside a much greater community. At the moment, the five o'clock church service is a manageable community and you can hold back for after the service and have great, great contact with each other over afternoon tea. My prayer, and I hope it's your prayer too, is that our church will continue to grow and grow and grow so big that you just can't know everybody. That's my prayer. So to be a church that's so big that we can't know anybody and yet be a church that a community can exist, growth groups are a great solution to that. Growth groups are not just Bible study groups, they are community groups. Growth groups are for uh, caring for one another, uh, pastoral care, and they're for coaching, which is a, a modern word uh, substitute for discipleship. Also, another practical way of doing church together is, is team ministry. And so as we, we're going to get closer and closer, I think it's two weeks from now. I keep on saying it's two weeks from now. Um, we're going to talk about serving in the church, ministry, um, participating. And I think it's wonderful to um, move beyond the roster system and into team ministries. So we know what things need to be done. We get teams together and we, we let those teams loose to do it. A great example of team ministry is the op shop. You know, uh, they, they know what they need to do. They work as a team and they go, there's a team and there's actually a little community that happens at, at the op shop. Uh, that's not the only example of that in our church. Friends, everybody, everybody, if everybody waits for community to happen, then it just won't happen. So I'm here to tell you to thank God, come to the cross. Thank God for his initiation in doing the thing that we could never do and pay the price for our sins so that we can have a community with God and with one another. That our Christian community is not just a good example of every human community. It is, an, it is a, a, a human community sourced and powered by the cross of Christ, taught and bought by the cross of Christ. And so now we engage in it. Over the weekend, um, my wife and I went to Ikea. Uh, we don't go there often, but we went there and we bought some things because we live in a new house now that needs different furniture. Um, and you know this this little thing. Um, you know, Ikea isn't actually, it, this is the joke, but I don't think it's supposed to be pronounced Ikea. I think it's pronounced one key because you get the flat pack and everything gets put together with just this one key. Well, I wish I had one of these for everybody so you could take it home and just remember that, friends, we are like, I'm going to just, you, you, in this metaphor, you are all a flat pack now. This church is the flat pack. Uh, Christ has bought you. Christ has paid for you. 
Christ has packaged you together in this community and now it's up to you to put it together. Uh, it's in your hands to, to model yourself of Christ and, uh, and to introduce yourselves to one another, to love one another deeply from the heart and, uh, and to grow a healthy church that is um, full of Christian, a growing Christian community. I'm going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your love demonstrated to us at the cross. It is a love that is beyond this world. We thank you that you were so willing to humble yourself, to walk across the universe, out of your own comfort zone and into the barren land of this earth, and to share your life with these 11 men, to call them children, that they would set off having witnessed the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and gone on to show what Christian community looks like. Father, I pray that here at Kingswood Anglican Church you would help us to grow in love for one another. I pray that at Kingswood Anglican Church you would help us to flourish and be excited by the challenge that it is to have Christian community. Lord, with the love that you've demonstrated to us, help us to grow in this love. The spirit that you've poured out on your church, I pray that that spirit would empower us to seek first your kingdom and to love others as Christ has loved us. Lord, we need your help in this and we pray that you would give it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>